0: Amen. Exodus chapter number 21, second book in the Bible, uh, right after Genesis, very familiar portion of scripture, uh, book in the Bible, it is the story of Israel being led out of Egypt by the Lord, amen, and going through the Red Sea and all of that wonderful stuff, Exodus chapter 21, God has begun to give the law, Exodus 20, he gives the Ten Commandments, Those wonderful uh, laws to live by. He said, preacher, we're in the New Testament. We are in the age of grace. We're no longer on the law. We are not, but the law is still good. The law is still It's still good for you not to go kill nobody. It's still good for you not to covet your neighbor's wife. Amen? And so that the law is still good. But look at Exodus chapter 21. We'll start in verse number 1. We'll read a few verses this morning. Just give what the Lord's put on my heart. Look at verse 1. It says, now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. This is God speaking to Moses, and Moses therefore to speak to the children of Israel. Verse number two, if thou buy a Hebrew servant, or a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. And if his master hath given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, saying in the message this morning, so preacher, how do I love my children, and how do I love my wife better? How do I show greater affection to my family and to my spouse, well, you gotta love your master first. You gotta love the Lord first. It all flows down from there. If the servant shall plainly say, verse five, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. He shall serve him for ever. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come before you this morning. Lord, we sure are grateful for Calvary. We are thankful, Lord, that every sin of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, from the days of Adam all the way to today and into the future has been laid upon your precious son, Jesus Christ. Lord, he bore in his body our sin. He paid and, and satisfied the wrath of God through his sacrifice. We sure are grateful, Lord, that you did not stay on that cross, but, Lord, on that third glorious morning, you rose again. Lord, bringing eternal life and proclaiming it to every man. We are thankful, Lord, for the gift of salvation that does not come from our good works. It does not come from our ability or our strength or our knowledge, but it comes through, through the finished work of Christ. And I ask you this one: that you hide me behind the cross, or would you end me out of myself and fill me with the Spirit of God? Lord, help me to preach the message, Lord, as you desire it to be preached this morning. God, help me to preach with clarity and understanding, with truth and compassion, with love and grace. Father, help us this morning from the Word of God. I pray that we work in the hearts and lives of every person that is here. None of us are here by accident or all of us stand in need this morning to hear from heaven. And I pray, Lord, this morning you just do a great work in and through the pews, in our nursery, in our children's church program this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here in our church. We sure are grateful to be a part of it. And Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, today you'd work on their heart. Lord, show them their sinful condition. Run them by Calvary, or where they can see you die for their sins. Lord, run them by the empty tomb, Lord, where we rose again the third morning. Lord, draw them unto yourself and save them by your grace. Well, we love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, and amen. You can have a seat this morning. Thank you so much for standing, if you're able to. As we read God's word, give you a chance to, uh, your feet to stretch a little bit, your legs to stretch a little bit, and it makes it easier for the kids to get out as well. But Exodus chapter 21, and here's the thing I love about my Bible, is my Bible, in its context and preached correctly and taught correctly, it tears up a lot of men's theology, It tears up a lot of men's opinions and men's beliefs, and I like it that way. Because this book is true, and if I'm wrong, I need to get with the book. I need to light up with the word of God. with that being said, as we look at Exodus chapter 21 this morning, this will be what you would call a typology message. In essence, we are going to look at these characters that we find in Exodus chapter 21, and we'll see a type or a picture of ourselves in Exodus chapter 21. Matter of fact, you can preach the same chapter and you can see a picture of Christ as well. But I'm glad this morning as we look here, and we look at Exodus 21, the Bible is clear on some things. And here's the thing, what you've got to learn is that you can't always believe what you hear. Just because a man says it loudly and just because a man says it boldly and just because a man seems like he knows what he's talking about, what you need to do is take whatever I say this morning and filter it through the word of God. I'm not above making mistakes. I'm not above saying the wrong thing. But I'd encourage you to get a walk with the Lord and a relationship with His Word that you're able to take what I say this morning and say, "Does that is that really what the Bible says?" Matter of fact, if you believe everything you'll hear, then you believe that God is a God that is full of hate, that He sends people to hell because He is angry and He's mad and He takes pleasure in it. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says he is full of compassion and mercy. He is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but he cannot make a choice for anybody, nor will he make the choice for you. He has left that in your lap this morning. He's not a God full of hate but of compassion, or he's a God who is for murder. Matter of fact, he said, thou shall not commit murder. God is not a God of murder. He is not in heaven just waiting to pour out his wrath upon man. If he was so, then why would he send his son to die for us? To pay a price that he did not have to pay. He's not a God full of murder. He's not a God full of hate. Nor is he a God that is for or supports slavery. You say, well, preacher, why would you bring that up this morning? Because Exodus chapter 21, when you go down to verse number 2, it says if you buy a Hebrew servant, it carries the understanding of a bond servant." Some would use the word slave, but I I firmly believe this morning the better word there is a bond servant. And then you say, well, if Exodus 21 is in our Bible, here's God giving governing commands and instructions considering this issue of bond service. It seems like he's a God who is for and justifies slavery. Well, you've got to study in this context this morning. God is not for what you and I understand slavery to be, what we've seen practice here in our country and really around the world. Well, what's the preacher? What what is that? God was never for people going and grabbing people against their will and forcing them into servitude. Matter of fact, what we see taking place here in Exodus chapter twenty-one is not a forced uh, service, a uh, a forced uh, labor here, but rather a man in Israel or who was part of the nation of Israel, if he had a debt that he could not pay on his own. He could go to a man who had the means and the ability to do so and said, if you pay my debt, I will serve you. I will be your bond servant. Not only in that case, but if a man was caught stealing, if he had committed theft, he could go to the guilty party and say, I I don't have the means to pay it back now and I should not done that but in order to make things right I will serve you until the debt is paid and this is the understanding of Exodus chapter 21 that God is giving these governing rules and regulations notice the Bible said if thou buy it wasn't like an auction block it wasn't as if you would go and you would stand there and you would grab somebody from their home and put them on an auction block and say bid on them but rather they have, they have a debt that they cannot pay. And they have turned to one who has the means to do so. And now they are saying, I will serve you until my debt is paid off. But notice in verse number two, the first thing we realize considering this bond service is that there is a term that has to be kept. Look at verse number two. If he come in by himself, excuse me, verse number two, if thou by a Hebrew servant six years, he shall serve thee. In essence, it didn't matter what the debt was. If the, the, the man who was going to take the role of master here, he all could only put that man or or was only required or allowed to make that man work for six years. And on the seventh year, he was to go free. He was to be released. Now, here's the thing this morning. We live in a cruel world. We live in a world that is selfish. That is power hungry, that is money hungry, that is control hungry. And I I wish this morning I could say that every man in Israel followed this to a T. More than likely they did not. And the reality is this morning we, we cannot look to the world and expect to get the best example. But we're going to see here this morning as we look at there was a term that at six years, whatever the debt was, whether you owed a hundred dollars or whether you owed a million dollars, whatever it was, at six years, you were given the opportunity to go free. That's what the law stated. Then the seventh year, you were released from the bond. But we see here, if he left out, if the servant left out, He was only to take with him what he brought into the arrangement. If it was just himself, then he left with just himself. But if it was him and his wife and his family, then they were free to go as well. We're going to see this one there was a term. It was where he was required to serve. But notice there was a clause in verse number five. If the servant... So plainly say, I love my master. See, verse number four gives us understanding. Now, if the master had given him a wife and thus given him children, you say uh, then when it was time to leave, if, if there were the master's gift and the family stayed with the master and the man was set to go free. And the reality was there was, if you were you're getting your debt paid and you found you a good master, one who, who, who worked with you, one who helped you, one who, though he did not have to, he gave you blessings. The point here we're going to see this morning is that there was a desire not to leave. There was a desire to stay. And here's the reality, but you didn't have to. You could leave it all behind. He had to forfeit all the master had given him. But there was a clause in this. Verse number five, the servant wanted to keep it all if he wanted to keep his wife and his children and all that the master had given him, look at verse number five, the servant would plain, shall plainly say, I love my master. That word plainly means he wasn't being forced to. In essence, the master wasn't behind and turning his arms and, 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 and poking him and prodding him and saying, listen, you better say that you love me. You better say it loud. You better say it clear. You better say it so everybody can hear you in our town but rather when the servant stepped back and said, I love my master. I brought nothing to the table. All I brought was debt and pain and hurts and wrongs and and failures, and he brought me in. He paid a debt that he did not owe. He paid it for me, and I've learned that through this experience, I love my master. See, that's why it was important to reach out to the right kind of master. Because there were some, no doubt, in Israel that would have took advantage of you. Oh, I'm fixing to work you for six years. And I'm going to get out of you far more than what you owe, per se. Well, I'm glad this one, I found a good master in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad he takes good care. There was a claw. Oh, I love my master. I will continue to serve him. My life is far better serving him than doing it on my own. And when that declaration was made, that declared statement had taken place, the master would grab the servant. The Bible said in verse number six, the master would bring him unto the judges, the, the authority in the town, and he would do a ceremony. It's a rather interesting ceremony. It's, it's one that I, I, it's, I've never seen it done in person. The Bible said the master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door. And under the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. <laughs> that makes me feel real manly. Why do you say that, preacher? <laughs> Many years ago, I got my ear pierced. I didn't go to the door. I didn't go to the doorpost. No man came to me with an awl. Where'd you go, preacher Clare's? <laughs> In the mall. 16-year-old, Tate Wagner. <laughs> Who? But there was a ceremony, there was a public declaration. It was before the judges. It wasn't wasn't forced, but rather it was genuine. There was a public identification. There was the piercing of the ear in verse number 6. And the master shall bore his ear through within all. That's where we get our, our, our term earmarked. We earmark something It is used for a specific purpose, a specific reason. And he shall serve him forever. Now this process was not to prove ownership, but rather it was to prove loyalty. I love my master. I love the one who I've been serving, the one who helped me, the one who took care of me. In this morning, I, I, I'm going to do my best to help you and I to understand that as children of God, those of us who have been saved by the grace of God, we have been purchased, we have been bought with the price, our debt has been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we look at Exodus 21 and say, Preacher, where do I fit in in this story? The reality is we fit in the bond servant and Jesus fits in as the master. Notice, I want to give you three truths this morning concerning the servant and the master, the bond servant and the master. Notice number one: the absolute possession of the servant by the master. Notice verse number two: it says, "If thou buy, let me ask you: if you buy something, do you possess it? I sure hope so. Go to the grocery store. I'm gonna buy all these groceries. I ain't gonna take them home with me. <laughs> you crazy, man?" Christ, the price of groceries right now. You better everything you pay for. You better take home one of the worst feelings I've ever I've ever had in my life. I went to Walmart. Went to self checkout. Paid for everything and left it all at the checkout. Preacher, how'd you do? That? I don't know. I called back up there and I said, "Hey, I, I paid." Did y'all find any pepper jack cheese on the self checkout? The lady said, "I have no idea what you're talking about, sir." I said, "I came through about two hours ago." I bought all this stuff, and they're like, we well, don't know what you're talking about. So there's somewhere, somewhere, Walmart made money off of me, and I didn't get to enjoy none of it. But it says, Thou buy. notice there was an exchange made between two parties. Right, the master paid a debtor on behalf of the servant, or the servant's debt was paid off by the master. There was a price that needed to be paid, since it was the servant became possession of the master. Right, Not not like livestock or inventory, but really an investment. You got to realize, maybe the servant said, nobody is going to pay my debt. Nobody is going to take me in. Nobody can help me. Nobody can change my situation. Nobody has the means to do anything to make an impact in my life in a positive direction. Until he met that master. Who said, I will pay the debt. That you owe I will pay what is required notice this I maybe maybe that 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 master looks out of that person who is asking for the help and he says you know what I I see a great plan in this servant I see a great purpose for this servant I I have a promise for this servant really it's gonna become this it boils down to this the promise that you and I have as believers is that Christ is mine and I'm his I am his possession this morning. First Corinthians seven verses twenty-two and twenty-three says, For he that is called to the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is being is called being free is Christ's servant. You are bought with the price, be ye not servants unto me. Here's the thing this morning. I can't pick which master you're gonna serve. I can't pick which master you're going to trust in. I can't pick in where, where you're going to try to get your debt paid. You're going to try to get your help from. But I can say there is only one good master. There is only one real Lord this morning. There is only one God this morning. And I found out 2,000 years ago he paid a debt that I owed. So the Bible said the wage of sin is death. And we see this one that the reality is we are sinners by birth, we're sinners by nature, we're sinners by choice, we've all failed, we've all messed up, we've all lied, We've all nobody taught us how to do it, that's how we are. And because of that sin we're separated from God and yet Jesus because he loved us so much came and died on the cross of Calvary and paid the sin debt for you and I. In essence he is in heaven saying I will gladly be your master. I will take care of you, I will provide for you, I will bless you but you have to accept me. In essence, he's not going to force himself to be your master. He's not in that kind of slavery business. But more, he'll more than gladly pay and has paid your debt. We had a debt that we could not pay, and yet the Lord paid a debt he did not owe. If I love my master, I will see myself as his possession. I've been bought with a price. Peter says, for we are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but we've been purchased with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you and I. He paid a ransom that I owed. He paid a debt that I owed. And I found out the day, April 3rd, 2015, the day that I made him my master. I said, Lord, I'm coming to you. I can't pay this debt. I can't fix this anymore. I can't change this. But Lord, you can." the day that I entered into that relationship with him, can I say, I plainly have to say I love my master. I don't want to go out. I don't want to leave it all Behind, he becomes the, the possession of the servant by the master. Notice number two this morning, the absolute dependence of the servant on the master. Verse number four, the Bible says, the master has given him a wife. She had borne him sons and daughters. A wife and the children shall be her masters, and she shall not go out, or he shall go out by himself. You got to realize that servant entered into this with nothing. Brought nothing to the table but debt. Problems, loss issue. Not only did the master pay it off, but then he would also give the servant something as well. Here's what the servant learned. My master can not only take care of me, but he can take care of what he gives me too. What he blesses me with. What he he allows to be raised up in my home. Can I say this one? I believe with all, all my heart. This one, I believe the Bible teaches that God is for life. And if God places life in a womb, he will take care of it he will provide for it but notice this a servant had to learn that what he gives me isn't actually mine it's his i'm to be a steward of it i'm to use it for his glory <laughs> so what do you mean by that preacher I, I don't know exactly where you work but i'm pretty sure there is company property wherever you are and wherever you work I, i'd encourage you when you go to work tomorrow. To walk in there and, and claim that property as yours. This is my stapler. This is my desk. These are my chairs. Well real quick, they ain't. They're going to say, no, that is the company's. You do not bring it in here and you ain't gonna take it out of here. And if you do, you ain't coming back in here. <laughs> Cabinet stop I worked, and the joke was if it wasn't bolted down, it's gonna get stolen. And things got things just went missing. I can't tell you how many times my tape measure just go missing. The one the company gave me, I'm just going to ask for another one. Quit stealing mine. It's not mine. It's the company's. But I said, the servant had to learn what he gives me isn't actually mine. That's why when the time that six-year period came up, if the master had given him a wife and they had children, in essence, they were not the servants. They were the masters. And do you realize, this When everything that you and I possess in this life, it is not ours. It is on loan from the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be stewards of it. We are to use it to glorify whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whether it's our talent. It is all from the Lord this morning. It is not ours. And when we learn to realize that everything that I have and everything that I need is not mine, but rather it is the Lord you will learn to depend upon him. And he will provide exactly what you mean. You say, well, preacher, that's mean of the master to do that. How dare the master take away what he has given to them? I'd actually argue that it's rather selfish of the servant to say, you gave me all this, I brought nothing in. You gave me all this, now it's mine. That's a rather selfish statement to make. Notice this, he wasn't required to give anything to the servant. You know the Lord's not required to give you and I peace. He's not required to allow you and I to experience joy. He's not required to settle your heart. He's not required to comfort you. Those are all things he does far above the debt he paid for us. We begin to claim those things as ourselves, It's rather selfish. See, here's the thing. You'll have to make a choice. Am I going to stay with my master? Am I going to stay with the Lord Jesus Christ? Or am I going to go try this thing all, my, all by myself again? Due to my own power, my own strength, my own ability. Here's the thing, to stay with the master is to continue to depend upon him and to gain more than you ever deserved. But to go out from the master and depend upon yourself, you'll lose just about everything he gave you. Notice this, the one thing the, ma- the servant could not lose at six years was his freedom? Wow, the, the price has already been paid. Can I say this morning, once you're saved by the grace of God, you can't lose that. You're saved for all eternity. But when you and I, in spite of that fact, walk away from the Lord, learn to depend upon ourselves on our own abilities and our own strength, we very well may forfeit the things he's blessed us with. Notice this morning, the absolute dependence of the servant on the master. Let me ask you, do you trust the Lord enough to complete and totally depend upon him? I don't need my strength. I don't need my ability. (laughs) Brother Ricky told all his men to memorize those verses for our men's meeting Friday night and we didn't have to say them. (laughs) Zechariah chapter 4, 6 and he spake unto me or he answered and spake unto me saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power but my, by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Can I say this morning, that doesn't change? That's how we're to live the Christian life. Not by my power, not by my might, but by His, and His strength, and His ability. And in order to do that, I have to absolutely depend upon Him. Because if I'm not depending upon Him, guess who I'm depending upon? Myself. Right now, this morning, you're dependent upon a pew. You're fully dependent upon it. How many of y'all sat down and said, Boy, I hope this thing don't fall apart on me? <laughs> Give it a few years, that sentiment might change. <laughs> They're getting older and older by the day, amen. But we're depending upon the things. We ought to be the same way with the Lord. He's going to take care of me. If he, if he told Peter to walk out on the water, Peter walked out and said, you know what? I got another fear. He told me to come out here. I, 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 if he's on the water, that's where I need to be. The same is true in your life. Wherever God is guiding and directing, if you're depending upon him this morning, you'll say, he will take care of me. We see the absolute dependence of the servant on the master. Then finally, this morning, we see the absolute obedience of the servant to the master. Just imagine this morning, let's use our spiritual imagination. The servant has served for six years. The master has been wonderful to him. He's got a beautiful wife and a bountiful children. And everything's wonderful and he, he comes to this realization man I, I've got a good master I, I I don't want to go back out to the way I was I don't want to go back down that road anymore I'm going to stick with the ma- I love my master and the master says alright well come with me let's go down to the judges and then that man puts him up against the doorpost, takes that all in his ear and pierces his ear and puts that mark in him that he's going to be loyal to his master everybody's excited the wife is yes this it's a wonderful decision. The children, man, I'm so glad that mom and daddy are serving the master. This is gonna be wonderful. He's such a good master. He takes such good care. Everybody's excited about it. They head back to the house. And the master says, you told me you would serve me forever. Oh, master, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. And so the master looks at the servant. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go tell anybody and everybody about what I did for you. And how I paid your debt off. And how I was good to you. And I gave you far more than you ever deserved. I want you to go tell everybody the change that I've made in your life. But master, what, what are they going to think about me? Master, I, you know, what if, what if the society is not willing to accept what I'm saying? What if they make fun of me, Master? What, what, if, what, if they, what if they ridicule me? What if they pass me over for the promotion? What if they push me off somewhere? What if they call me weird or crazy? I can't, I can't do that. I'm afraid of what they're going to think. Is that servant obeying the Master? No. What if they come back home? And the master goes into his office and he pulls out a a book from the, the desk. And he takes it to the servant. He said, while you were serving me, I wrote some things down about what I think about you. And what I did for you. And how much I love you and how much I care for you. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to go home and read it. And let it work in your heart. And let it help you, encourage you, and strengthen you. And the servant said, oh, master, I'd love to do that, but I, I just don't have time for that. I'm just too busy. I got too much going on. Could we say the servant's obeying the master? No. Well, the master listen, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you love me and you're going to serve me forever. Matter of fact, I want you to meet me here every day at 7 o'clock. I want you to come talk to me. And we'll just fellowship together, and we'll spend time together. You talk to me, and I'll talk to you. And the servant says, "Oh, master, that's too early." Or when he does show up, he comes in with a list. Here, master, here's what I need you to do: one, two, three, and four. All right, bye. Could we say the servants obeying the master? It's so a preacher. What are you trying to? What point are you trying to make? Let me ask you, what has the Lord done for you? Do you not pay your debt? Do you not change your life? Did He not bless you wild, beyond your wildest dreams? Oh, preacher, he's done that. Would you not raise your hand and say, I love my master. I love the Lord this morning. You know, he's told you and I to tell others about him, to share the gospel with them, to tell them what he has done for us. That's what your testimony is. Has he not given you a a letter that he's wrote to you about what he thinks about you and what he did for you and how much he loves you and how much he cares for you, what he's promised to you, and all he said was read it, study it, meditate on it, dwell upon it? Let me ask you, are you being obedient as a servant to the master? When was the last time you talked to him? He said, if you'll show up, I will fellowship with you. I will speak to your heart. I will encourage you. I will strengthen you. Man, we get so busy, don't we? Life, life goes so quickly. One day leads to the next to the next to the next and the next. Before you know it, we're two weeks. We, never, we haven't read our Bible. We haven't talked to him. We haven't, we haven't allowed the word of God to work on. We haven't shared the gospel with anybody. And we'll raise our hand on the Sunday morning and say, Preacher, I want to let you know I love my master. I'm just not being obedient to him. I'm just not doing what he's instructed me to do. Can I say this morning, if we really love our master, if we really love the Lord this morning, we will do what he tells us, we will be obedient. Oh, preacher, I'm going to be obedient later on in life. Just got so much going on. When I get to retirement age, when, when the kids are grown and I'm just loving on grandkids, and I'll, I'll start serving the Lord then. Remember my dad, he was well-meaning in it. He told me when I was 18 years old, he said, why don't you just go to college get you a degree, become a chemist, and then when you get older, you can do that preaching thing. He was well-meaning. He wanted the best for me. (laughs) I wasn't raised in this. When we went to church on Sunday, we was looking for a nap. But here the reality is, boy, I love my master. I love my Lord this morning. So much so it's my heart's desire to obey him. I read something this week and said in the 1900s, uh, the British army had a rule book for every soldier. They were given it to them when they enlisted and they were to memorize it and to live it. And in that rule book it said that the, the soldier was expected to obey any command in one-sixth of a second. Whatever command was given to them, they were to respond to it and to obey it in, in, in one-sixth of a second. And they said that was long enough for the command to register in their brain and then from their brain to register into their members. Whatever the command was given, they were to obey it immediately. Can I say this morning, the best kind of obedience that you'll ever give the Lord is immediate obedience. Now, all right, Lord, three years from now, I'm going to start this up. Lord, today, right now. Lord, I love you. You are a wonderful master. You're a, you've given me so much more than I ever deserved. Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, however you want me to do it, Lord, yes, that is my answer. And not just a desire, but Lord, I'm going to put action behind my words and I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Let me ask you this morning, do you love your master? Oh, preacher, I love the Lord this morning. Let me ask you, are you his possession? Are you depending wholly upon him? are you obeying him this morning? I love my master because he has been so good to me. Let's stand this morning every